It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the moment. Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, a radio show brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We're a company specializing in life-changing nutrition. We teach classes, provide nutritional counseling at seven different locations in the Twin Cities. I'm Kate Crosby, a nutrition counselor and a teacher in our North Oaks office. And with me in studio today is Leah Wetzel. Leah is a licensed nutritionist who sees clients and teaches in our Mendota Heights office. Welcome, Leah. Yeah, it's great to be here today with you, Kate. I'm yes. really excited about the show today. Yeah? Yeah. So today's show is called Nutrition to Heal Your Brain with a, our special guest, Dr. William Walsh. And when Dar and I went down to the nutrition conference, the American College of Nutrition Conference yeah. in Florida in November, we saw him present and we both thought he would make a great guest for the show. Well. So we're what, very happy to have him on today. Yeah, we're really fortunate. <laughs> yes. So we'll be talking about depression and autism and how nutrition and specific nutrients may reduce those symptoms. Yeah, that's great. So according to Dr. Walsh, there are different kinds of depression. Which we, is interesting, isn't uh -huh. it? Well, we often think of depression as simply, oh, too Low little serotonin, serotonin or maybe too little dopamine. Right. But actually, Dr. Walsh tells us about a kind of depression where you might have plenty of serotonin. Huh. But you may not have healthy working cells that let that serotonin do its trick. That's so mm -hmm. no relief. You don't feel calm or right. happy or pleased. And, 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 you know, as we've worked with people, you know, along these years, you yes. know, thinking about, do you know of somebody who has depression has tried all of those SSRIs, which are uh, medications like Zoloft, Prozac and Paxil with little or no benefit? Oh, yeah. Which For we, sure. We hear we that a lot. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Dr. Walsh will tell us what's happening with those people. That'll be great. Yeah. Well, let me introduce Dr. Walsh. Dr. Walsh has a PhD in chemical engineering, and he's an internationally recognized expert in biochemical imbalances in the brain. He's worked with clients, but currently he trains practitioners and physicians nationally and internationally. In fact, his schedule, I think, takes him to Japan and right. Australia in a month. Right, that's awesome. He's been instrumental in changing the lives of people with mental illness, autism, and behavior disorders by looking at their biochemistry and balancing it using nutrients. Nutrients, really simple things like B6 or zinc yeah. or maybe some calcium or magnesium. Yeah, and currently Dr. Walsh runs a nonprofit organization called the Walsh Research Institute, and it's outside of Chicago. Uh, but recently he also he wrote a book called Nutrient Power, Heal Your Biochemistry and Heal Your Brain. This book is the result of 30 years of research and clinical experience, and later in the show we'll tell you how you can purchase it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a great book. Welcome, Dr. Walsh. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Well, great. Thanks for... Thanks for joining us. You know, on a personal note, Dr. Walsh, I was a client of yours back in the 90s. So it's a thrill to have this opportunity to have you on Dishing Up Nutrition. Well, I've always enjoyed Minnesota-St. Paul area. I've been there probably 20 or 30 times uh, oh, nice. working with patients. And I, I think uh, Minnesota is a unique place. It's uh, 
some of the friendliest, nicest people I've ever met. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, good. Good. Like I'm that reputation. That. Yes, I'm glad that <laughs> reputation holds up. <laughs> you know, every day, Lee and I see clients with depression who kind of blame themselves for their tempers and maybe their isolation tendencies or their low moods or their irritability. And, you know, some of these clients benefit from diet changes, right? Boom. Yeah. Some of them benefit from diet changes with some medications. But very often we find that their moods are linked to not eating enough or maybe not eating enough protein like eggs or chicken. But that their depression isn't usually solely the result of their parents' divorce, for instance, or the fact that their sister was born 16 months after they were. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit, start us out on what's your understanding of depression? You seem to say that different kinds of depression require different solutions. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's uh, mainstream medicine and mainstream psychiatry have got a misconception. They um, make, the, make the mistake of believing that this thing called depression is, is, is always involves low serotonin activity. Yes. So throughout the world, anybody who goes to see a doctor around the world is likely to be put on a, a one of these medications they call an SSRI, an, an antidepressant aimed at increasing serotonin activity. Well, I've seen more than 3,000 cases of depression. I've got maybe the world's biggest collection of lab data, huh. blood and urine levels for people with depression. It's pretty clear to us that there are at least five completely different types of depression. About, mm. about half of these people actually do have low serotonin levels and low serotonin activity. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and these are the people who are likely to benefit from one of these antidepressants, although the side effects could be pretty nasty for many of them. And that may, may discourage them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other 50%, however, have something completely different wrong with them. And we, we are pretty clear on exactly what that, that is. And I presented this at the annual meeting of the American Psychiatric Association a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, 17,000 psychiatrists from all over the world. And um, it was, my talk was very well received. I showed the, I, I described each of the five different kinds of depression and how they, they involve completely different problems with the brain. Yes. And, and, and need completely different therapies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speak about, speak about the, the kind of depression that's due to a lack of B6 or zinc. What are the characteristics of that? Well, there are one, one of these types of depression that amounts to about 17% of everybody with depression, and that's millions of people. Uh, they basically have a condition we call pyrrole disorder. Yep. They're, they're born with a tendency to be very, very deficient in B6 and zinc. And, and B6 is needed to, uh, to, to make serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, GABA, several of these important neurotransmitters. Those are all, for our listeners, those are all just brain chemicals right. that have different um, effects on us. Like GABA is very, very relaxing, and serotonin makes you feel kind of calm right. and happy and dopamine. Good for moods. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing we've learned that is kind of a surprise, there, there's more than 300 important nutrients in the body, but there's only about six or seven that have a really major impact on, on your mental health and your mental functioning. 
Really? Yeah. Well, and, well, and which that's ones? Really because if you had to do, uh, say, if you had to do lab testing of of a hundred different materials, yes. it would it would be really hard to do. Or if you had to develop treatments based on on you know dozens and dozens and dozens of different nutrients, it would be complicated. But the yes. good news is that the reality is it's really just six or seven of them that dominate. And and it eventually it dawned on us why these same six or seven nutrients were popping up in all different kinds of mental disorders. They're the ones that you need to, first of all, synthesize or create these important brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And and then they're also, the, or they're the ones that are needed to regulate right. yes. them. And, and that's the this new field called epigenetics that I'm not going to really get into today. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but this, it's a combination of having enough of these brain chemicals and then having, having them working properly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you might have the serotonin, for instance, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but it might not work properly. Exactly, it can't do its job. Either you you get rid of it too fast, or for some people, it hangs out too long, and you get too much of it. Sort of. That's so exactly, that's exactly right. And we've learned that you know for for about twenty or thirty years, most nutritionists and many most doctors thought the biggest problem was how much serotonin or these these various brain chemicals how much you had in your brain now we know that that's not the major that's not the major issue the major issue is 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 this thing they call reuptake another like you just said how long mm-hmm. things around once once a brain cell fires and shoots serotonin in, into your into this little area called the synapse oh, yeah the synapse yeah. the question what really dominates is how long does it stay there because it, it, it tends to the, the serotonin tends to go right back to the original brain cell mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And that's the dominant factor, and and we're now learning uh, just in the last six years, we've now we're not we now have the ability to with nutrients to do the same thing that the drugs do. We can we can we can um, impact we can impact this thing called reuptake. Uh, for example, we know that methionine, which is an amino acid, yep, and and SAMI, which is a, a chemical natural chemical in the body made from methionine, uh, we know that they are serotonin reuptake inhibitors, just like Prozac. Just like, yeah, yes. just like the medication. Yeah, and, and this is all quite new information based on this new emerging science mm-hmm. of, of epigenetics. And, and so we can do things now that we couldn't do before. For the first time with nutrient therapy, we can adjust the levels of, of, of enzymes. Mm-hmm. Right. Never been able to do that before. This is also new. And, and yes, it's exciting. exciting. Talk a little bit about the B6 zinc deficiency and how. what are some of the symptoms of that? Well, the symptoms are very interesting of this disorder. They, these are people with poor stress control. Uh-huh. They have a poor short-term memory. We always ask them if they have normal dream recall. Oh, or, yeah. Or mm-hmm. whether if they read a few pages, are they able to, does it stick or do they have to go back and check on what they've read? Yes. Their, their short-term memory is terrible. Many of them are sensitive to bright lights or loud noises. Hmm. They, they wake up and the, they're not morning people. They don't like mornings, and they often have and, morning nausea. And, and exactly, sort of, they don't like breakfast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they have a tendency to delay or skip breakfast, and some of them even skip lunch too. Yes, they yes. have uh, extreme mood swings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to underachieve in school, no matter how smart they are. Hmm. And and uh, they and part of that is they tend to have a reading disorder again because their memory is so bad. You need B six in your brain, right, for memory, 
and and they they have a number of other very interesting problems. They they're they're prone to depression. They tend to be fearful people, and mm-hmm. and they they tend to be have a negative outlook on life. Mm-hmm. They're always they always expect the worst, mm-hmm. um, and they have very high anxiety, and they're often famous for their temper. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting. And yep. then, and you have found that supplementing with B six in a, a great quantity, or is it so individual it would be hard to talk about? Or quite individual. Our goal is to normalize their B six and to normalize their zinc levels. So mm-hmm. what we do with zinc, if we we will we'll do maybe a a blood test for zinc, oh. and we can find out if they if they need zinc or not. Most people don't need any zinc; they get enough zinc from their diet. Correct. Oh, but great. there are people, uh, and for example, I'm an example. Uh, yes. I I have to take a hundred milligrams of zinc a day just to get my blood level normal. Interesting. Uh, okay. Individual. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we do is a medical process, basically. We have doctors now that are trained to do this all over the world, and, and we, we, we try to normalize B6 levels in the brain. If you've got this condition called pyrrole disorder, you, you, you are wasting all of, your, all of your B6 tends to leave the body too rapidly, and these people are so low in B6. And so, therefore, they're low in they're low in some of these brain chemicals. For right. sure, for sure. Right. You know, so we, we need to take yeah, a break. It's break time. So, when we come back, I'd like to hear about like how long does that process usually take? Because people like to know like how long do I expect to uh, heal in this in this journey? So, it's time for a break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, I recently read a study that compared eating one cup of berries, which is about 65 calories to a snack of a candy snack, which is about the equivalent of the same amount, like 65 calories containing um, that contains this candy that contains fruit juice. An hour after the participants were allowed to eat a meal, a pasta meal, as much as they wanted to eat. And guess what happened? (laughs) Those who consumed the candy ate 20% more of the calories worth of the pasta, so about 825 calories, versus the group who ate the berries on average only ate about 690 calories worth of the pasta. Uh Aha! So what is that telling us? For lots, I would say. So eating the berries probably has less sugar and more fiber and really helps to reduce your appetite. Or that, you know, eating the the sugar candy that really increases your appetite. And of course, for our longtime listeners, we know that we would recommend with those berry snacks that we would have a balance, including some, maybe some uh, for protein, maybe some cottage cheese along with some good fat, like some sliced almonds. Um, that would be a great way to balance out your blood sugar, really to create more stable uh, moods mm-hmm. and no cravings, right? Exactly. Right? So t- today, uh, if you have questions for Dr. Walsh about nutrients that can help to support to reduce depression, please give us a call in the studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, nutritional counselor and educator at our office in North Oaks. Today we've got Dr. William Walsh talking with us about different kinds of depression, and we'll also be talking about autism. Both conditions can be related to nutrient deficiencies or possibly overloads. Before we get back to Dr. Walsh, um, let's just mention the importance of meeting with a nutritionist to improve your moods. You know, we as nutritionists can help you unravel your moods, your irritability, your temper. 
your malaise, that awful depression. Yeah. You know, in a consultation, we do a lot. We explain a bit about your chemistry. We'll teach you about the importance of having a healthy gut in order to have happy moods. And we can instruct you on how to heal your gut with proper foods and nutrients like probiotics. And those, um, our longtime listeners know one of our favorite probiotics is bifidobacteria. It's great for helping to make serotonin. Right. In those consultations, we'll give you recipes. And most importantly, we give you an exact meal plan so you know how much to eat and when. You know, I find this meal plan is often the missing ingredient in making dietary changes that really work. So if you're interested in booking an appointment, call our office today. There's somebody there at the phone lines. And the office number is 651-699-3438. So let's get back to talking with Dr. Walsh. Yeah, so before break, we were talking a little bit about the zinc and B6 deficiency causing depression. And this kind of depression really, you know, really responds to increasing these levels of this nutrients, which when we as nutritionists look at food sources, these, uh, these nutrients like B6 and zinc are found high in meats and fish. Just another reason why you need to be sure to be eating animal protein throughout the day. Uh, uh, zinc and B6 is necessary in order to make serotonin. So we know that we need enough protein to supply us with the building blocks for making brain chemicals like serotonin. But we now know that we need B6 as and zinc as well as the nutrients for su- sufficient supply of serotonin. So, um, Dr. Walsh, uh, for somebody that has that uh, deficiency of, of B6 and zinc, how long does it take typically to normalize those levels to help with the depression? Well, B6 normalizes very rapidly. Hmm. You can often normalize B6 within about a week. However, zinc takes 60 days. If okay. A person is, the typical depressive, and we've looked, we just looked at, at 3,000 cases recently, and uh, the average person who has clinical depression has a level uh, that is about 50% too low in zinc compared oh, okay. to normal and healthy. And yeah. it takes, so if they start taking, say, 50 milligrams of zinc or whatever, whatever they particularly need, and it's individual, it takes yes. roughly 60 days for them to gradually get their blood levels to normal. Okay. And, and then do you maintain it? Yes, they have to maintain that. Uh, diet can help, but also um, and if you've got a genetic or, or, or a genetic reason for being very deficient in zinc, you're, you're going to need to take some supplements along with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, great. Good. You know, there's another kind of depression you describe. Um, you explain that depression and anxiety are not always the result of too little serotonin. You've kind of alluded to this before, but the Sometimes it's because our cells in our brain aren't working properly. So how would I know if my cells aren't working well? Well, um, I believe it's uh, to do this really right. If a person has a serious problem, say clinical depression that's serious, they need to see, uh, I think they need to see a doctor or a naturopath who really understands understands this and can do some some blood testing and, and a really good medical history mm-hmm. and learn a lot about symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people, for example, there's about one out of every five persons with depression actually has too much serotonin activity. Yep. And one thing we've learned is they are folate deficient. They are very, and they thrive on supplements and uh, and diets that are loaded with folate. So these people thrive on a vegetarian diet or a vegetable-based diet. The interesting thing is, there's another form of depression where the folates would harm them. 
Yes. So, so talk it's about that one. Individual. Mm-hmm. And, and anyway, um, they, these are the people who, if they take an SSRI, are likely to get dramatically worse. And uh, there's more and more evidence now that the school shootings in America are these people. Mm-hmm. These are mm-hmm. young people, young young men and women who uh, who had a, a, a fairly normal development and didn't have behavior problems, and in their in their um, maybe a 14, 15, 16 years of age, they develop anxiety and depression. Their doctor gives them um, Prozac or Paxil or one of these SSRIs, but it makes them worse. And um, the, w- people have now studied the last 50 school shootings in the United States, and it turns out that about more than 40 of them involve kids who were previously pretty much okay who, uh, who became homicidal and suicidal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and and, we, and so when I was at the APA meeting with all these psychiatrists a couple of years ago, I told them that they could just do simple, inexpensive blood tests, and they can identify which kids and which adults should not be receiving an SSRI antidepressant. And what would they be? What would the test be that would be helpful? Well, the test basically is to test for this thing called methylation, mm. and and if a person is. Uh, what we call undermethylated, if they have too little of this thing called methyl, which is the simplest organic chemical in the body, carbon with a few hydrogens added on, if they have too little of that, they tend to be low, they, they definitely will tend to have low serotonin activity, and they will possibly thrive on one of these antidepressants, although with maybe nasty side effects. Yeah. You're, if you're overmethylated, now people are either born over or undermethylated, or normal in methylation. So if you are born with a natural tendency for overmethylation, you will have too much serotonin activity. And you you might develop anxiety and depression and mistakenly be given an uh, antidepressant. It it would tend to make you dramatically worse. And which ones are um, really do not need folate or uh, folate? For instance, is found. I think of folate and think of foliage and greens, greens. and green vegetables. Yeah. So, which ones do not do well with folate? Uh, those are the the ones that we call undermethylated, and uh, they they you can often tell them from their symptoms. These are people who are uh, they're they're they have seventy five percent have seasonal allergies. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Strong willed, they're competitive. They tend, they tend, they're families of high accomplishment. Yep. Uh, they're these dedicated, uh, um, you might say almost anal people who, who are very, very uh, determined. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they have an adverse reaction to folic acid. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody needs enough folates. Right. But they, they, uh, these particular people have too much. Mm-hmm. If you were careful blood testing, you'd find out their folate levels were too high already. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all very individual, and I, I think biochemical individuality is everything. And that's why I think people, it would be great if most people went to a nutritionist and who could identify their individual needs because, you know, what's one man's meat is another man's poison. Exactly, True. exactly. True. So let's get into this more after our next break. So it's time already for our next break. My name is Leah Wetzel. I'm a licensed nutritionist, and I work out of the Mendota Heights office. I want to mention a study that came out this week concerning another danger of uh 
PPIs, which is like protein pump inhibitors. And these are examples of medications like Prilosec. Mm -hmm. Uh, These medications are used to reduce stomach acid in people who experience heartburn or GERD. That's that reflux condition. Yes. Um, And it has been known that PPIs are linked to uh, kidney damage and bone fractures. But now there is a new study linking these protein pump inhibitors to dementia. So we as nutritionists know that we need stomach acid to get our nutrients like zinc, as we've talked about earlier, how important zinc is, um, that we are... um, or calcium that we need for our bones, but we also need stomach acid to ward off infections as well as digest our food well. When we come back, Kate will talk more about this study. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, Nutrition Counselor at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You know, before we went to break, Leah was describing a recent study linking the use of PPI, those proton pump inhibitors like Prevacid or Nexium or Prilosec, linking that the use of those to dementia. So this was a new, uh, recently published study. Uh, it was a German study, and it was reported in the Journal of American Medical Association, the Neurology Edition, just last week, February 15th. It was a large study following approximately 75,000 men and women over the age of 75 for five years who at the beginning of the uh, study had no signs of dementia. But what the researchers found was after using these PPIs, many of the uh, participants developed dementia. In fact, it was found that female patients had a 44% increased risk of developing dementia. But men in the study, interestingly enough, had a higher risk, 52% increase. Mm when they use these PPIs. So if you're suffering from acid reflux or GERD, you could probably do a couple things. Some of you may want to, excuse me, um, come see one of our nutritionists to help you to sort out food sensitivities possibly or just figure out ways to have better uh, digestion. Right. And some of you may want to listen to a past radio show. That's pretty easy to do. You can go to our website, weightandwellness.com, and click on past radio shows. Type in the word heartburn in the search uh, bar, and voila, you'll see articles and shows where heartburn is mentioned. Now, I know there's a show titled Heartburn Relief from July 27th, because Car and I were on it. Last year, right? <laughs> Last year? Yeah. Yes. We make many suggestions on what you can do to reduce your heartburn and GERD. So now, let's get back to our guest, Dr. Walsh, to find out more about different kinds of depression. And actually, first, let's take a caller. Yeah, Dr. Walsh, we have a caller on the line. Jenny, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about your daughter that has depression? I do. She, um, Hello, Dr. Walsh. She oh. has dealt with this since probably grade school. How old is she now? She's uh, mid-20s. Okay. A little over mid-20s. She has taken uh, the nutrition class. She eats very well, da-da-da-da. Um, she had the, I think it's the P450 test that shows she's an ultra-rapid metabolizer of many things, and um, uh, uh, also that she doesn't have the right length, I think it's the alleles to take in SSRIs, is that right? Or take in um, serotonin. Mm -hmm. So um, I I had mentioned on the, uh, that she took that little zinc test. Yes. Yeah. 
paper test and definitely could taste it very strongly. So there is a the, the zinc, a the zinc challenge. So the question yeah. is, yeah, where to go to from here? And if she can, you take too much zinc? And I know she's really tough because she's. I mean, she's tried a ton of meds and yeah. has always, you know, even before we had this test done, would say it makes no difference. And then finally the doctor said, oh, now we know why. Yeah. So I'm Dr. Very- Welsh, what do you think? Well, there are uh, at least five completely different kinds of depression, and I think uh, you, you need to go in a different direction, a different kind of treatment, depending on which of these five types. And you can find out a lot from symptoms and traits. Um, it, it, can you tell me a bit more about her? Um, what things have helped her? Um, it's really hard to say. She ex- she exercises. She mm-hmm. does. She she does what they say to do. You know, she tries to stay active. She's involved with things. She's uh, got a job, but sometimes his depression is debilitating. Probably absolutely debilitating. Is she a perfectionist? Um, well, say that one more time. Is she strong-willed? Was she self-motivated in school? Um, she was. She was. Mm-hmm. Maybe some perfectionism kinds there, of things. A large, you know, very anxious for tests. Okay, so is anxiety uh, a major part of her situation? It is. It, it is more certainly in the last few years than it had been. But yes, yes. Well, I think the direction, you need, you can't just, if a person has clinical depression, uh, you can't just, there's no one-size-fits-all uh, uh, approach. You have to find out, you know, what kind of depression they have. Some some people are depressed because they have a, a overload of copper. Mm-hmm. And this can cause, these are, for example, people who have, um, they tend to have problems with their, women who have this, have problems with with their hormonal hormone levels, and uh, that's that's about one out of every five or six uh, females with depression, and they don't need a antidepressant. What they need is uh, is is to normalize their metal metabolism. Uh, she could conceivably be one of those people. These are people who are um, they they tend to be a bit more hyperactive than others. They're skin sensitive. They're very sensitive to estrogen, and if they take birth control pills, they tend to get terribly worse. Um, they are Their skin is intolerant to cheap metals. They have emotional meltdowns. But high anxiety is, is, the, is, a, is a hallmark for them. So that's one of five different types of depression. Uh, so I, I would say that what, you really, what I would recommend, if you were someone in my family or a close friend, I would suggest you would go to a doctor who knows how to identify the type of depression and then uh, you could then work out a, a nutritional therapy, a nutrient therapy, and maybe connect with a nutritionist that could help you with all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and in Dr. Walsh's book, he does a really good job of outlining all these different five types of depression and symptoms in relation to that. Um, so that's a, a good reference, too, that maybe if she, your daughter would be interested in picking up. It's the, called the Nutrient Power um, that... I, I think it's really helpful to understand um, all the different correlations and connections, potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. And are there those people that he's talking about here? I think they would be listed on his website. Awesome. The yeah. website has got a list. We now have trained and more than 140 doctors throughout the USA and, and uh, more than 300 internationally. And, and so I think there are people right in your area. I'm quite sure we have... Uh, at least one or two doctors who've been through our training uh, in the Minneapolis area, and, uh, and you can find them on our website. 
awesome. Can you say the website again? And I just want to stick this little piece in when you talked about the estrogen stuff. Mm. She's, um, she also developed endometriosis at a very young age. Yeah. Oh, there you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> yeah, there are two of these uh, depression types that are, are associated with endometriosis. And, and I think these are things that are connected with depression in so many people. But the website is walshinstitute.org. Thank you so much. Yeah. We will share this with her. Thank you so much for your call today, Jenny. Thanks. Great. Thanks. And thank you so much for that um, that in-depth look at that particular mm-hmm. issue. We were actually going to lead to and talking a little bit more about the copper deficiency connection or com- sorry, copper toxicity, toxicity. sorry, <laughs> copper toxicity to, right. and the depression. Um, and uh, commonly times where this becomes an issue is around hormone. Women are are definitely higher susceptible for this condition, and also around hormonal times too, like postpartum. Or menopause, perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about why that is? Well, actually, these are the easiest people for us to help. Uh, we've oh. had hundreds of, of, of patients with postpartum depression, and we've published peer-reviewed journal articles on the subject. And and ninety-five percent of people with this kind of depression are females. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> they tend they tend to have onset of depression or a great worsening during hormonal events, puberty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Childbirth or menopause, right. and and uh, what happens during during the nine months of of, of gestation of a, of a you know pregnancy is developing mm-hmm. in in the womb uh, a person's a woman's copper level has to more than double, and that's because the baby needs that it needs it for growth basically, mm-hmm. and but as soon as the baby is born, your copper level is supposed to start heading straight back down to normal, and these people don't have that ability. They don't have the ability to regulate copper. So if they have, if they if their copper shoots up during a pregnancy, which is normal, they can't bring it back down. And what copper does, it has a dramatic effect on two neurotransmitters. It tends to lower dopamine and and cause your norepinephrine level to go really high. Well, norepinephrine is a, is a may sound like a funny name for a yeah. neurotransmitter, but it 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 means an extraordinary anxiety and mm-hmm. depression. And in severe cases, you could even get psychosis from that neurotransmitter getting high. And we've had a number of cases of postpartum psychosis. And in all of these cases, I would say at least 95% of these cases, all we have to do to help these people is to normalize their metals. And we know how to do that. How do you do that? Well, number one is you ha- there's, there are natural proteins in your body that regulate that regulate copper, and, okay. and they happen to be zinc proteins. Yep. So what we have to do is slowly, gradually build up zinc levels to normal, and then this, these proteins, these, these genetically expressed proteins that are supposed to protect us and regulate our copper, um, will, will, will work. And that process takes usually two to three months. Okay. And it's as slow as you say. It, 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 when you add that zinc to someone who's copper over, has copper overload, you've got to do it pretty slowly. We do. The average human being, adult, has about 112 milligrams of copper in our body, and but these people might have more than 200. Wow. And if you if you if you gave them too 
too, if you treated them too quickly, their copper would rush out of the body too very rapidly, and the blood levels would go really high, and it would be the worst day of their life. Yeah, yeah that right. does not sound good. No. You, have to, no. you have to take the. It's just like working with toxic metals. Right. You don't want to do it too quickly. Yeah, that's right. That's yes. right. This is very fascinating. Well, we have to take our last break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Leah Wetzel, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here in the studio today with Kate Crosby, nutritional counselor. We have our very popular Nutrition for Weight Loss series coming up in March, starting the week of the 7th, all across the Twin Cities. You know, are you looking to lose weight and keep it off, increase your energy, sleep better at night, decrease your inflammation like aches and pains in your joints, or even reduce symptoms like asthma? These classes are for you. This 12-week series includes 12 weekly one-hour class and a two-hour individual one-on-one appointment with one of our highly knowledgeable licensed nutritionists or dietitian. 96% of people who take this series see health improvements, which is amazing. It's wonderful. I know. I love working with these people. Right. So for more information or to register, go online to weightandwellness.com or call our office at 651-699-3438. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You know, we've got our very popular menopause seminar coming up in March on Saturday the 19th. It's in our St. Paul office, and it's being held from 1030 to 330. So if you're looking for a natural way to manage your hot flashes or those mood swings or uh, insomnia and weight gain without the possible dangerous side effects of traditional hormone therapy, this is a class you'll want to attend. Mm-hmm. Um. You're going to learn lots about nutrition and lifestyle that can help minimize your symptoms, help you avoid long-term health problems such as osteoporosis, heart disease, Alzheimer's, and cancer. You want to sign up? Give our office a call at 651-699-3438 or go to weightandwellness.com. Well, Dr. Walsh, um, thank you so much for sharing all that that very important information about depression. We want to switch topics a little bit now, and and if you could help us understand a bit about autism and how nutrition can help out the autistic population. Well, I think I've seen more autistics than anybody in the world. I've seen more <laughs> than 6,000 cases. That's quite and a bit. Yeah. What a lot of human misery. I mean, these poor parents. Yes. But, and typically... They'll have a child who, for the first year and a half, is, is, is just fine, and they might be uh, happy and, and learning how to talk and charming their grandparents. And then very often, in a very short time, maybe just a day or two or a week, the child is horribly different, and they, the, the child um, uh, has these, these really striking, shocking symptoms of autism. They, very often, they lose all speech. Mm-hmm. And the foods that they used to tolerate, they no longer can tolerate. They, they, uh, children who used to like to be cuddled and loved now want nothing to do with anyone else. And they like to be away from everyone. Um, and they don't like, and, and, you know, can you imagine being a mother? No. A child that used to love you and they love to be cuddled and then now it's all completely different. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest mystery of all is why doesn't it go away? Right. Autism mm-hmm. strikes. 
it, it's uh, mainstream medicine will tell you that it's incurable. There's no cure. There are treatments that can help somewhat, mm-hmm. but but that they can expect a lifetime of severe handicap. And mm-hmm. um, I've just heard the sad story over and over and over. And we still have a mystery uh, with respect to what causes it. But obviously, something okay. really dramatic has happened in the body and in the brain in a short period of time. A very short period of time. And uh, so I think we're getting closer to understanding what it is. Uh, but then, how how to help these kids is an issue. Mm-hmm. One thing I learned uh, is that the casein-free, gluten-free diet is essential for at least 85% of them, and maybe all of them. Uh, they, they have the inability to break down certain proteins, right. mm-hmm. the ones that are in, in, in uh, dairy um, and, and, and in gluten. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not easy to do a gluten-free, casein-free diet with, with a child. Another issue is that mm-hmm. these kids often... Um, have taste and texture problems, and, and yes. they'll just reject most foods. Right. Yes, I bet I've I've heard, I bet I've heard at least a thousand parents tell me that their child would only eat macaroni and cheese. Exactly, yeah. it's you know, the so, texture. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's one thing to to know what a proper diet that would help them is. Another thing, quite different, to try to get them to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there are really there now are thousands of experts uh, everywhere in the USA that know how to help families get get these proper diets into people and uh, into these little children. And and that's that's a really good thing. But right. even so, the diet will only help so much. Yep. It's a developmental disorder. Early and it always strikes before age four. Right, and it's important to have early intervention. Right, as absolutely if possible. because their little brains are developing, and we know if nothing's done, their brains will be different. Right, mm-hmm. and forever uh, unable to function exactly the way they were intended to function. Right, talk to, and, just ooh uh, for a minute here about. Um, their need for antioxidants and why uh, medication that's full of antioxidants ha- happens to help them. Well, uh, that's one thing that we've learned that's absolutely certain, and that they are extraordinarily low in, in, in antioxidant protection. We hmm. have wonderful antioxidant systems in our body, and they're not working for these kids, not uh. working at all. And they're, so they, all, all, virtually all autistics have, have extraordinary oxidative overload and they also have high inflammation, both in mm-hmm. their brains and their GI tract. And right. Their so antioxidants is something, antioxidant therapy is really helpful. Now, people uh, have Explain learned... Explain what an antioxidant is to our, our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Oxidative, we all have some free radicals uh, roaming around in our body, and, and that's a natural thing. And, and that's one way we can, uh, we can fight infections and bacteria, et cetera. But you, some people just have too much uh, of these free radicals. They're, they're, well, I, I think of them like pirates that can attack other body chemicals and, right. and harm. Um, they're, they're, they call them oxidants, but it's more than just oxidants. Uh, some of the oxidative species, for example, are things like mercury and lead. They, they cause oxidative stress. Yeah, but the nutrients like vitamin A, C, E, th- those are 
kind of the antioxidants they, they counter combat. yeah yeah for, for right, people right. who have too much oxidative stress yeah. or overload those vitamin c vitamin e selenium zinc uh there we have a, a long list of very powerful antioxidants one of the most important is is this one called glutathione yeah, right and and i'm sure you as nutritionists you know all about that and but anyway it's uh, there's you can help a lot of people just with that now, some doctors have found that if you've got an autistic child with really wild behavior... Dr. Walsh? There are drugs that will help them, but I think that the drugs they use are not a good idea. Right. Uh-huh. With right. the side effects. Yeah. I wish we could continue talking. Oh, so fascinating. We need to... Uh, it's time to wrap up. Yeah. Yes. And so we really want to talk about what we've talked about today. I uh, want to really thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining the different types of depression and, and getting into a little bit about autism. We really appreciate that. And I want to let you know that Dr. Walsh's book, Nutrient Power, Heal Your Biochemistry and Heal Your Brain, is available online through his website, walshinstitute, all one word, dot org, where the profits will go directly to the Walsh Research Institute. Yes, it's a great place to purchase it. And remember that there's different types of depression. Sometimes depression is a result of not enough B6 and zinc. And we've talked about how that naturally is found in meats. And B6 and zinc are necessary cofactors in making brain chemicals like serotonin. Sometimes your your chemistry may not work with the commonly used SSRIs like Prozac and Paxil. Maybe you might need some B6 or zinc. And maybe you have an overload of copper, for instance, that may be causing postpartum depression. Right. And sometimes cells just don't do their job very well, and you may feel depressed. And this kind of depression is not a result of too, uh, is not a result of too little serotonin, but just of unhealthy cells. Right. Remember, eat enough protein from animal sources like eggs and chicken and uh, to keep your moods up. Maybe start your day with some eggs and bacon and a sweet potato with butter. And if you have concerns around autism, working with a nutritionist that devised in a gluten-dairy-free plan allows you to eat five to six times a day and feeling great, too. So if this show today, Nutrition to Heal Your Brain, was interesting to you, share it with a family member or a friend. Our message each week is how eating real food supports your health. It's a simple but powerful, life-changing message. Be sure to tune in next week to listen to Cara, Marcy, and Joanne discuss the topic, Understanding Your Cholesterol Numbers. Have a great weekend. And thanks again, Dr. Walsh. Thanks, Dr. Walsh. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.